0: Realistic Randy is one of the OG callers into Vikings line, And now he's one of the biggest Vikings YouTube superstars on earth. His Vikings pain is now your game. This is Realistic Randy Rants with Randy and Declan on Purple Daily and Score North.
1: Realistic Randy joins Purple Daily every Monday to talk Victory Mondays, Randy. This is our fourth Victory Monday in five weeks. The Vikings did not have their fourth victory Monday, Randy, until week 10 of the last two seasons, respectively. Hmm. It took us until oh, awesome. <laughs> took us until mid-November to get the fourth win of a Vikings season for the last two years. It took the Vikings just five weeks to get to their fourth win. It's October 10th. Welcome to the show. This is Purple Daily Realistic, Randy Rantz. Hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. Uh, Randy, things got a little interesting yesterday, but regardless, another classic... Fourth-quarter comeback for Kirk Cousins, I guess. That's the new theme. Uh, the Vikings beat the Bears. They moved to 4-1, and one, sole place in the NFC North division. What is your uh, main takeaway from yesterday's win over the Bears?
0: Well, I knew the Vikings would win going into Sunday's game. I also knew that for a game like this, set up to where the Vikings should absolutely stomp all over the Bears, for this team, it rarely goes down that way. And we're going to talk about the game more in depth, but I want to take this moment to give a well-deserved shout-out to Christian darasaw mm. who I know that Justin Jefferson, he's going to get the bulk of the praise, highlights galore on ESPN, 154 yards yesterday. It makes sense. But I would argue of all the players on this roster yesterday, Christian darasaw put up the best film. What he did to Robert Quinn should be a crime. He drove him into the ground, stood him up, spun him in place. Incredible. This offensive line, with him anchoring the left side, Ezra Cleveland's getting better. Garrett Bradbury is playing like a franchise center. Ed Ingram needs to improve in pass protection, but he's a rookie and his run blocking is legit. Brian O'Neill, I don't know what's been going on with him the last two games, but still... The offensive line as a whole has taken a major step forward and it starts with Christian Darrisaw. Whoever wants to argue about who the left tackle about who the best left tackle is in the game, whoever wants to argue about that, y'all can have it. For me, any given Sunday, I'm taking Christian Darrisaw 10 out of 10 times no questions asked. Furthermore, I would like to give a shout out to the Las Vegas Raiders. Thank you so much for taking Alex Leatherwood with the 17th overall pick dude. in last year's draft, allowing Dariusaw to fall to the Vikings at pick 23. Thank you so much. Christian Derisaw, he's that dude.
1: Dude, he's been awesome for the Vikings so far through four games. He was great when he came into the fold the last year after missing, you know, the first 10 games or so with an injury. But uh, so far, he is the fourth highest grade among any NFL tackle right now. The Vikings really do have two insanely good pillars, One on the left side and Christian Derrissan. Yeah, Brian O'Neal, a mixed bag uh, in the last two weeks, but before that was grading out as one of the best right tackles in the NFL. It is refreshing. I can't really remember the last time the Vikings had an offensive line that was good this good. Maybe 2009, 2012, when AP ran all over the place and won the MVP award, but I think that was more of a product of Adrian Peterson being just a beast on the football field. I truly can't remember the last time the Vikings had a sustainable, legitimate Offensive line and it's still it, it's solid. Like it, I'm not trying to say that it's it's the Dallas Cowboys of you know four or five years ago where they just had like five All Pros, but this is what fans have been begging for. Just yeah. be at least an competent, average offensive line that can at least hold up Cousins and hold up their end of the bargain. And then if Kirk can make his decision making with the better offensive line, well, that's one less excuse you can make for Kirk Cousins. Christian Derisaw, saw, yeah, man. I mean, he's a left tackle. It's not a sexy position like quarterback and wide receivers are in today's NFL. But, my God, the Vikings have a home run, and honestly, also, shout out to Rick Spielman for taking Christian Derrissaw. Nice little parting gift for the Vikings.
0: It was fun to watch, man. It was one of those things where I did a live stream, and at one point I said, ah, let me t- take a look at Christian Derrissaw here. And I literally went from that to, oh, my God, drove Robert Quinn into the ground. It was devastating. It was WWE like you're a wrestling guy (laughs) oh yeah I think you would have loved it had you I'm assuming that you did pay attention to 71 but dude he got after it it was debilitating just watching that I felt embarrassed for Robert Quinn it was crazy
1: yeah it's it's nice the Vikings have just had a legitimate line that Cleveland solid I mean Garrett Bradbury has turned himself to a pretty competent center And you'll take, you know, the leaks with Ed Ingram because he's a rookie and because it's one less spot. You know, the offensive line's a chain reaction. So there's always one link, one weak link in that offensive line. Right now, it's Ed Ingram. Uh, but man, when you get your two tackles established and, you know, Randy and I, you and I kind of talked about that in the preseason of, man, they have two real solid pillars. What will, what will that interior look like in, uh, in, in Ezra Cleveland and now Ed Ingram and Garrett Bradbury? And so far, the majority of that offensive line is just holding up its end of the bargain. I mean, that that's just a, a treat for Vikings fans who really have been able um, to experience what a competent, normal, just passable offensive line has looked like in the last four or five seasons. So I've, I've been excited for it. Uh, Randy, your, your take on the offense, I think, as a whole yesterday, great start, hot start. Uh, they were up 21-3. to Third quarter woes, for whatever reason, still plague this team. But then at the end of the day, fourth quarter comeback Mr. Kirk Cousins delivers once again with a elite game winning drive his third and third of this season uh what was your take on the Vikings offense and now that also we've had you know five games basically as a sample size here what have you kind of taken away from Kevin O'Connell's offense so far this season
0: well specifically down 22-21 I knew that the Vikings were in good hands. And to your point, we talked about this last week, as far as the clutch factor that Kirk Cousins has shown. That is to say, as long as the Vikings are still within the game to be clutch in the first place. I knew the Vikings were in good hands. Great use of trickery and the QB sneak. By the way, taking off seven minutes in game clock. Cousins, just looking at the box score, 32 for 41, 296. One touchdown, one interception, also had the sneak touchdown. Kind of whatever, but it doesn't really tell the whole story. He was in control of the offense, calling audibles. The first touchdown run by Dalvin Cook, so that was the first possession by the Vikings offense, Kirk Cousins accounted for 68 yards of the 86-yard drive. The second Dalvin Cook touchdown run, Kirk Cousins accounted for 57 of 75. He was equally responsible for those touchdown runs by Dalvin Cook. The gadget pass to Jalen Rieger for the score. The QB sneak. That was as impressive of a game that I've seen by eight. That was that was as impressive as a game that I've seen by him ever wearing a Minnesota Vikings jersey. Yeah. He was outstanding. And the stats aren't going to necessarily suggest that. But he was in control. He was poised. He had that game for the Vikings to win from opening tap.
1: I mean, if you go 32 of 41, 296, yeah, just one touchdown, but whatever. Uh, you were in control of the game. You completed your first 17 passes. I think this is where yep. the Kirk stands and now maybe Kirk doubters are starting to get, you know, kind of married together and blending in the fact of, you know, Kirk stands will always defend the statistics and he puts up these numbers. He has Hall of Fame numbers on on this, this, and this. And then Kirk, you know, haters kind of say, well, how come he doesn't win as much? How come there's always excuses and this, this, and that. And now what you're seeing is his statistics are falling a little bit. They're not they're not these crazy eye-opening great box score stats. They're still solid stats. And the Vikings are winning. And he's clutch in, in big time moments. And when you're paying a quarterback this amount of money, which is what the Kirk doubters had questions about, if he's delivering for you in the clutch, well then we're all one big happy Brady Bunch family here, right? If if you have Kirk Stans and Kirk haters basically blended in the same pot of stew, I think it was great. I, I agree. I thought yesterday was really one of his finest games uh in his tenure as a Minnesota Viking. And it wasn't, I mean, statistically anything spectacular. A quarterback rating a 94-7. That's honestly like league average at this point, uh just in terms of the rating. But that's where you have to kind of dissect and remove yourself from all just stats, stats, stats and watch this game flow. And yeah, I mean, the Vikings punted once yesterday, Randy. They punted once. Wow. And, and yeah, a couple missed field goals. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about Greg Joseph here because I want to ask you about him later on in the show. But the Vikings offense, man, I mean, it's starting to click 28 points over the last three games. You're seeing a much more clutch and calmer version of Kirk Cousins. Uh, I've been impressed with the offense so far this season.
0: And the main things that have been the issue for Kirk Cousins this year, as far as the panic throws, the interception intended for Adam Thielen, I'll take that as a one-off quarterbacks. They're going to make bad plays. But I really didn't see beyond that any panic throws, especially any automatic lockdowns on the check down passes on third downs he threw with purpose he really had control of that game and I think as long as he can eliminate those two things the panic throws and automatically checking down and okay hopefully you can get yards after the catch to get a new set of downs for us as long as he eliminates that if you have the stats like you did yesterday it's not sexy but I'm good with that that was a fantastic game by Kirk Cousins
1: a uh, couple more things here on the offense, Randy. Uh, Dalvin Cook, another solid day. I mean, he again, he didn't have the big run, but it just seemed like he was much more of the normal Dalvin Cook that we've, we've been used to over, over the last few years. I think five and a half yards per carry. Found the end zone a couple times if, if you'd had him in fantasy football, which is always great. But at the end of the day, he just looked a lot more calm, and they still were making conservative efforts to feed him the ball. I mean, the trickery play that Justin Jefferson passed to him um, you saw, I think, much more of a legitimate Dalvin Cook and the one that we've been kind of big and waiting to see so far through the first five games of the season.
0: Yeah, and it, he had a great game. It was amazing. Good for him. I would say in the NFL, a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, that was the game that the Vikings needed to trade Dalvin Cook right now. Because, yes, it was a good game, but when you look at Dalvin Cook so far this season, he's literally been up and down. The first five games starting with week one yards per carry 4.5 2.8 5.6 3.8 yesterday against the bears 5.2 he had a good game I don't know if this is sustainable to where you can expect that on a routine basis a team like the Denver Broncos they need a running back with Javante Williams out for the year with a torn ACL I think the Vikings should trade him furthermore As far as how I would approach the running back situation, I'm at the point now with running backs, I only want guys on their rookie contracts. When it's time for that second-year deal, I'm over it. Think about the New England Patriots. Right now, they're currently ninth in rushing. If that holds up this year, six of the last seven years, the Patriots have had a top-10 rushing attack. Of those six years, the Patriots have had five different starting running backs. I'm gonna name them to you right now. Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris, Sony Michelle, Dion Lewis, and LeGarrett Blunt. It's time to hit the reset button on the running back position for this team, and it starts with trading Dalvin Cook. That's the game that you need to say, hey, Broncos, you saw that? You can <laughs> use that right now. Russell Wilson, he's struggling. Broncos country, let's ride. You can trade him for whatever the next available second round pick they have. That is after they go through the picks that they traded away to Seattle for Russell Wilson. I think you need to trade him. And I think this is the perfect time to do it.
1: Use and abuse is basically uh, a phrase that Judd has been using with running backs. You draft them on the rookie scale contracts, and then you kind of just move on from them. Um you know, he's still got a pretty, f- the, the hefty cap hit start, you know, starting you know, next season to it goes up to 14 million. You could cut him if you wanted to. I don't think they would. But yeah, this is where they have to d- draw a line a little bit because Alexander Masson's probably going to walk in free see He's at the end of his contract. Do you yeah. want to be paying a running back $14 million at age 28, you know, starting next season? And I, I personally would not do that. Um, so this is, this is an interesting conundrum for the Vikings. And I think just the, the entire NFL that paying running backs is just, it, it's not, it's not the thing to do anymore. It's not a wise move. They get, they get buried down and you know Dalvin cook still might be an effective back, but I mean, just look how quickly Alvin Kamara falls off the table, right? Like look how quickly all of these running backs go from studs Jonathan and Taylor. MVP Taylor, yeah, Jonathan Taylor and all these MVP candidates basically. And two years later, um, they're a shell of themselves. Zeke Elliott's even, you know, he's no longer the running back he used to be. So, yeah, it, it's a use and abuse system. Uh, and if they were to lose Dalvin Cook and they were to lose um, uh, Alexander Madison this off season, draft one in the fifth round. Sign some slappy for two for two years for ten million dollars or whatever it is. Like you can you can find replacement running backs. But I, I thought it was good at least. But Dalvin Cook went out there looked like more like his yes. old self. It wasn't uh oh god, like is he really going to be hitting a wall here? I think what you got from Dalvin Cook yesterday is still kind of the 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 ex- expectation that you should be able to get out of him for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, 94 yards on the ground, 5.2 yards per carry, two rushing touchdowns. I was actively rooting for a third touchdown for him just to boost up the trade value if it <laughs> is going to happen, but It was nice to see him look back to his old self. I just don't know if this is something you can come to expect for the remaining 12 games of this season.
1: Uh, Justin Jefferson, man, another big game for him. 13 targets, 12 catches, 154 yards. He did not find the end zone, but just was an absolute beast again for the Vikings. It seems like their offense is still, once again, when it funnels through Jefferson and then everything else kind of falls into place, whether that's Dalvin Cook, who we just talked about, Adam Thielen and K.J. Osborne getting open, funnel through Justin Jefferson and let the chips kind of fall as they may. The dude is just an absolute beast, and he still finds ways to get open, and good for Kirk Cousins and Kevin O'Connell to be targeting him a ton.
0: And it wasn't Kirk Cousins force-feeding the ball to Jefferson. I mean, I can't tell you how many times when he caught the football to where the nearest defender was maybe three or five yards away from him. It was ridiculous. That soft zone coverage that they were doing kind of – Kind of looks similar to what Ed Donatel has been doing with the shell system. But right now, Justin Jefferson leading the league in receiving 547-20 over Cooper Cup. And I said with, goodness, Kevin O'Connell that Justin Jefferson, we should expect Cooper Cup-like things from him. And he's doing that right now. They're not force-feeding him the ball, but if they're going to leave him open like they did, because the thing was, in the Packers game, maybe you can say they were forcing him the ball Against the Eagles, they definitely did that. He had that two-week stretch, kind of a lull period. But, man, yesterday that was really good to see. He really opened things up for this offense. Adam Thielen still got, he still has some nice production. K.J. Osborne as well. Things opened up for Irv Smith Jr., but he really gets this thing going. And the crazy thing is, even when he doesn't, when teams decide to double-team him, you still have playmakers around him that can still carry the load.
1: All right, Randy, a couple of the bad things that happened yesterday against the Chicago Bears. Uh, this Vikings defense, yeah, it's been not break, but I mean, the Bears were barely on the field yesterday. Uh, just 23 minutes of of offensive possession possession for Chicago. They still weasel their way back in this game after trailing 21-3 to at one point. They did take the lead 22-21 with nine minutes to go uh, in the fourth quarter. And yeah, there just doesn't seem to be, for whatever reason, adjustments being made by Ed Donatel. Uh, and it, it's it's kind of strange to me. He's a veteran; duty's been around a while. Um, but having Daniel Hunter like drop back in coverage and just the way that they're deploying their pass rush to me can sometimes be a little bit baffling. You know, I, I guess you you asked me pre show of how long of a leash should Ed Donatel have, and it's hard to really be like having coordinator watch when you have a football team that's four and one through five games. But it just it doesn't seem like it's a sustainable recipe of success if this Vikings defense continues to kind of play this bend not break philosophy
0: how long of a leash should Ed Donatel have I'll answer that for you right now he should be fired (laughs) he really should Daniil Hunter has two sacks in five games it doesn't help if you want to drop him back in pass coverage so going back and forth on the topics Declan Goff you said well okay why is Daniil Hunter dropping back in coverage He's dropping back in coverage because Ed Donatel has lost his damn mind. The only, the sole responsibility of the Neil Hunter is Rush the passer. He needs to put his hand in the dirt. And at this point, I've seen enough from DJ Wanham the last few games to say, I think he's played his way into an opportunity to start, to replace Hunter as that outside linebacker. Furthermore, the secondary. Here's the thing. We can talk about how, well they're four and one, so it doesn't matter, much like Chris Boyd said, shut the F up, we're four and one or three and one last week. We're four and one now, that's all that matters, right? Technically, yes, but here's the problem. The secondary. Forget the fact that we don't have much of a pass rush, but if we look at the secondary, three of the five quarterbacks that you faced so far this season has had their best games this year. Jalen Hurts completed 84% of his passes. Andy Dalton in two games. This was his best game last week against the Vikings. 71% of his passes were completed. Justin Fields going into Sunday's game completed just 51% of his passes. Yesterday, 71%. Mm. The problem with saying, well, we're 4-1, and one, so it doesn't matter is because much like Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, when you face a really good team, they're not going to let you hang around to give you an opportunity to be clutch at the end, you're going to get the doors blown off of you, and it's going to put that much more pressure on Kirk Cousins and the offense. If the defense can just be decent, I think this team can go as far as it wants to. But right now we're talking about Andy Dalton and the Saints and Justin Fields going down to the wire against those teams. When you go up against the better teams, I'm just afraid that what happened week two at the link against the Eagles is going to happen again. And if you're going to make it into the playoffs, which I think the Vikings are going to win the NFC North division, Mm -hmm. if you go into the playoffs, the difference between being a one-and-done team or making a playoff run is this defense just needs to get a little bit better. But to your point, Ed Donatel just doesn't seem like he wants to adjust on anything, and that's the problem.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to really even get upset at Daniel Hunter for his lack of pressures, lack of sacks so far, and just kind of a quiet statistical season because it just I I I'm starting to feel like he's just being deployed poorly, um, and I don't really understand. He's a freak athlete. Don't get me wrong; the guy's an absolute beast. He's still 27 years old. Um, I know he battled a neck and pectoral injury the last two seasons. He's only played six games coming in coming into 2022 over the last two years, but he's still got plenty left. Zayaria Smith is getting after the quarterback. DJ Wanham, to your point, has now kind of blossomed into yeah. this nice little part-time pass rusher. Why is your, what should be, your best pass rusher not being used in those situations? At, at first I kind of thought, um, before even the Bears game, like, oh, is the offensive line, you know, focusing on Daniil Hunter and can the rest of the Vikings defense beat them? Because that's what I would probably do, right, as an offensive line coach or an offensive coordinator against the Vikings. Can we stop Daniil Hunter and then, you know, if Zadarius Smith or a DJ Wanham comes in and gets us. Okay, we'll take the loss there. We have to stop this dude because when he's been on the football field, legitimately one of the best defensive ends in the game. And now he's being deployed in these situations where he's dropping back in coverage. And I just don't really understand it. And yes, if, if the Vikings, you know, find themselves in a situation like they did against the Eagles game where basically Philly got off to a hot start, scored a ton of points early. The Vikings never really able to recover after that. Uh, that's not going to be a recipe for a long playoff run. That's a one-and-done type of situation in the wild card weekend. And even if the Vikings have home field advantage, which if they won the North, they'd obviously would at least get one home playoff game. Um, you don't want to get boat raced off the field right away in front of your home fans. So adjustments have to be made. I think people were were okay giving the offense a little bit of patience and time. And so far now it's starting to click a little bit. Now it's, I think the pressure swinging on the defense being like, all right, they can't, play to this level and expect the Vikings to be taken seriously as legitimate contenders no matter what the record really looks like
0: no they can't and and the schedule is very favorable for the Vikings but even going up against the Arizona Cardinals they're struggling but a guy like Kyler Murray who can really get outside the pocket with his speed that's been a detriment for this Vikings defense the Buffalo Bills that's a loss either way in my book goodness the Dallas Cowboys with or without. Cooper Rush or Dak Prescott at quarterback doesn't really matter at this point. The giants don't look now, but they might be for real. Yeah. Those are the type of games, especially when you're jockeying for a position seeding wise right now, they're the two seed. But as you start to face those teams in the NFC, Dallas and New York, those are the type of games where everything is on the line. And this defense just, they just get pushed over and let the opposing offense do whatever the hell they want to do. That's where, I think you can make the change now. Putting Daniil Hunter, even if you don't fire Ed Donato, I don't think they're going to do it. They're going to run with the wind saying we're 4-1, who cares? But even if you don't do that, Ed Donato is totally within your control now to put Daniil Hunter at, on the defensive line alongside Dalvin Tomlinson and, and Harrison Phillips to start DJ Wanham as an outside linebacker, to figure out what the hell to do with Chandon Sullivan who he's lucky he didn't give up a touchdown yesterday to Darnell Mooney. It was just a bad play on the first drive by Justin Fields. There are things that you can change right now, but it just seems like he's not interested in doing that at all. Third and long, let's put Daniel Hunter in pass coverage. What? Yeah, Come on. Make the uh, changes now.
1: One positive, at least on on the Vikings defense, it seems like Cam Dantzler's really kind of turned himself into a solid cornerback finally. And you know he had some mm-hmm. I don't know weird off the field issues. He was inactive last year for a few games. He got benched even in the Eagles game this year. But so far the last two games, at least, just looking at what's happened the last two games, um, he's been a pretty damn good shutdown corner. He strips the ball right out of Amir Smith Marset's hands to seal the game. Uh, now up to the fifteenth rated cornerback uh, per pro, per Pro Football Focus. So He's starting to grade out and starting to be that cornerback that we saw flash up as a rookie. Like, oh, this might be a nice little steal of a pick here for the Vikings. And the Vikings defensive backs in general, obviously, pretty suspect. And that's that's putting it lightly. But the, it seems like Cam Dantzler, at least, is finally trending in, in a positive direction and might actually be a legitimate number one cornerback for this team.
0: That was all effort, Declan Goff. That play at the end, ironically, on Amir Smith-Marset ISM. The start of that play, when ISM caught that ball, he gave Cam Dansler the meanest stiff arm you can imagine. Yeah. He fell to the ground. And it went from, oh, come on, what are you doing, Cam? How did you get beat like that, too? As quickly as he fell down, he got, back, he got back up just as fast. And it happened so quickly as far as ripping the ball away into his chest and running the opposite direction. So I said, wait, that was a fumble? Really? That was all heart, all effort by him coming out of Mississippi State, I expected great things from him, the needle, but he's living up to it right now and good for him. He's one of he's at least middle of the pack corners in the league.
1: Yeah, he's been really really solid. Um and that Vikings defense again if it can figure out ways to just use Neil Hunter better, get after the quarterback a little bit more. Sure. I like it. I it, it can be fine. It can it, you're not you're not completely sweating like they like Vikings fans have basically been over the first five games of the season. Uh, special teams-wise, Randy, Greg Joseph. So I'm I'm not conflicted here. I think Phil is starting to hit, uh, question himself a little bit, and he's one for five now from field goals of 50 yards uh, plus. At the same time, he's perfect from every other spot on the field. Um, what is your overall sense of Greg Joseph? Because obviously Vikings fans have a ton of fear when it comes to kickers, and they have a lot of uh, emotional you know, damage when it comes to kickers. How do you feel about Greg Joseph through the first five games?
0: So before Greg Joseph this year, or even last year, I was just over it when it came to kickers for the Vikings. They just break your hearts every single time, dead inside. All right, if he makes it, so be it. If not, whatever, it happens all the time. But then the way he started this year, I said, okay, I can I can rely on Greg Joseph, much like I can rely on Christian Darrisaw and Brian O'Neill on the offensive line. I'm set. No worries here. And now, missing two field goals yesterday. One of them was blocked. I'm back at the original point of, I just don't care anymore. I don't have the energy to care about kickers. Here's what I will be upset about when it comes to Greg Joseph. I think this was to start the second half in the third quarter. We're talking about the kickoff here. The kickoff. This should be basic 101 for kickers. Boot it into the end zone. Get a touchback. Whatever. This man, Greg Joseph, kicked it up. It landed. By the time the Bears returner got the ball, he was around the 10-yard line before he started running with it. He got to about the 32 or 33, if I'm not mistaken. What the hell was that? You choked on a kickoff in the third quarter. That's what you did? This is the most basic thing to do. We're talking about, for basketball players, an open court layup. There's no pressure on you whatsoever. There's no rushers coming at you after you on the field goal this is the kickoff and you screwed that up too missing two field goals are you really out of it so much mentally that it screws you up on kickoffs so if you're going to mess that up too then we have a problem but other than that if he can do that at least right and he just miss field goals once in a while from the 50 i just don't care anymore i don't have the energy Quite honestly. Yeah,
1: you know, and kickers are getting a lot better at hitting ones from 50 yards. It, 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 the league average I think is like 74%, so it's not completely just a toss-up. Like, it the kickers are starting to nail them a little bit more. I just think it's a difficult ask to be, unless you're Justin Tucker, who we saw yesterday basically win yeah. them a game again, it's hard to ask a kicker to be routinely automatic from 50 yards. And to be honest, if you're Kevin O'Connell here and you're getting into that you know, 35, 30-yard 30 line and you're in that awkward little spot, may as well try going for it here and there. They only have, I think four fourth down attempts on offense so far this season. Be a little aggressive. I mean, be strategic about it. You know, there's definitely not just the science of going for it for the sake of going for it. But I do, I would like to see the Vikings offense in those situations. If it's a fourth and three and a fourth and manageable, try it, try to get the first down. Your goal is to always get six points and not three. So yeah, I'm not going to panic over the kicker. And to your point, if, if that, if, if that's the area that we're concerned with the kicker, then I'm, I'm actually pretty good because the dude's making every other kick. He's making his extra points for the most part. I'm all good there. I have no issue. Um, but to
0: play, de- de- play devil's advocate real quick. Yep. The way that it could become a problem is if with this defense playing the way it is now to where against the worst teams in the league, it goes down to the wire. Against the better teams, you have no room for error. You really got to keep up offensively. So if the defense doesn't make any adjustments and they're still – just Swiss cheese of a defense. We're now going to put the pressure on the offense to say, okay, as long as we can get to within a field goal range of 40, then we're okay. Once in a while, we may need a 50 yarder. So now the pressure is also on the offense to say, okay, we got far, but not far enough because this kicker, he can't hit anything beyond 45. That's where the problem could be. But I guess all things being relatively equal kicker, I just don't care.
1: Not gonna not gonna waste my time with it, uh too much right now on your four and one. Uh Randy second up these four and one Vikings, though, against the rest of the NFC. So I, I think it's obviously still safe to say the Eagles look like the best team in the NFC so far. The Vikings got uh waxed by them in Philadelphia a few weeks ago. You have a couple four and one teams now in the Cowboys and Giants also from that division. The Rams are clearly riding a Super Bowl hangover. The Packers aren't gonna be nearly as good as they were, I think, from the last few years. I guess when you look at the Vikings, you're stacking them up in the NFC. Do you have the Vikings as maybe the second best team in the NFC after the Eagles? Where do you kind of fall, had them falling in the pecking order right now in the NFC?
0: Well, standing-wise, yes, they're the number two seed in the NFC. Right. I want to see how they look against Dallas, against New York, as far as if we want to power rank them. Because those two teams, they're playing really well right now. And the Vikings, they're 4-1, but if we keep it 100, the competition that they're going up against is not great. The one really good team they faced, Philadelphia, they got smoked. I want to see how they look against the better competition, the few there is left, the rest of this schedule, this favorable schedule for the Vikings. But standing wise, the two seed, as far as power ranking wise, to be determined. How do they look against the Cowboys and the Giants? I'm not sure yet. Right now, if like I said, this defense is the only thing holding this team back. Improve there. I give them as good a chance against anybody, including Philadelphia. But that's the one thing that needs to change. And if Ed Donatello doesn't care to make adjustments, then, okay, maybe we're looking at a three seed mm-hmm. or a four seed. So, to be determined.
1: Yeah, it's kind of weird. We thought, I think we mostly all thought we did some schedule picks that when the Vikings were going to host the Giants late in the season, like, oh, that's an easy, great win at home. We had, yeah. They get the Jets, and they get the Giants. This will be no problem. Now, the Jets, I don't think they'll have any issue with. But the Giants now, all of a sudden, look, oh. That might be a game. Brian Dayball's got that team playing pretty damn well. I don't think he's going to, you know, I don't think he's big on Daniel Jones. You know, I think he's going to ride this out. Maybe they draft a stud. Maybe they trade for someone this offseason. I don't think that's Danny Dimes is going to be their guy long term. But I little pie in the face. I I didn't think Brian Dayball was going to be as good as advertised. And so far, he's got that football team four and one so far. And they're winning games just like the Vikings. They're figuring out ways to win, win the game anyways. Um, Yeah, looking at the rest of the NFC are the Cowboys going to be led by Cooper Rush? Is Dak Prescott coming back? I assume Dak Prescott's going to get his job back, um, but that's also going to be a tough one at home. Yeah, it's just, it it's wide open from the second best team, quote unquote, to the sixth best team. The, the parity is, is so small, and there's a lot of margin for error right now. So I think the Vikings still look like the second best team in the NFC, but we'll probably have to okay. wait and see a little bit as, as the season plays out. Now that the Vikings get to go to Miami, they're probably not going to get to a Hell, they might not have played Teddy Bridgewater. Three weeks ago, we were terrified of this game because obviously the Dolphins got off to such a hot <laughs> uh-huh. start, and it was going to be like basically an Eagle situation where you're going to have a fast offense that's moving up and down the field. And oh my God, like count your blessings, say your prayers, good luck, and if you can get out of there with a win. Now they're going into the last game before their bye week, probably going to face a third string rookie quarterback from the Miami Dolphins uh, if, if everything continues to stack right. And now a win in Miami seems also a lot more plausible. Just kind of funny how things can change so quickly in the NFL.
0: I think, if nothing else, even before we get to the elite teams, the rest of the way for this schedule, the few there are left for the Vikings, that we want to see, as Vikings fans, we need to see a statement win. I thought maybe perhaps we would get that against the Bears. I knew it wouldn't happen, but I'm just saying that's the team to make it happen against Perhaps it's going to happen against Miami with their first two quarterbacks assuming that they're not going to play. You need to get a statement win even if it's on the road. That would make me feel so much better mm-hmm. about this team and their chances as far as in the playoffs. Get that statement win, win by two possessions and then we can talk about okay, the better teams in the league how do you do against them. So as long as this defense can make improvements, I'll feel good about it but beat Miami by at least two possessions and you're good.
1: Yeah. You thought that's where you're going to get against the bears. And that's where, you know, it was just cruise control. The first half looked great. 21 to three. The offense was clicking, you know, they were mostly in the face of Justin Fields. Justin Fields looked like the quarterback he's been for the most part in that first half. And you thought like, Oh, finally, not a, not a sweating out win, not a fourth quarter comeback, just a true ass kicking that we haven't seen so far this season. I think they can go down to Miami and hopefully do that. And man, who would have thought if if you could go into the bye at five and one? You know, I think we all kind of thought, oh, four and two would be really good. I think it's achievable. If they do this, they might lose to the Eagles. But then if they lose to the Dolphins, they should be able to win their home games. Blah, blah, blah. Now, all of a sudden, they're going into their last game before the bye week with a shot at being five and one and a legitimate shot at being five and one. Just kind of nuts how things can change so far. But yeah, I think if they are playing a third string quarterback, Well, I think life will be pretty easy for them in Miami. It won't be a gimme. That heat in Miami apparently is still no joke. It's still ridiculously hot down there, and it's not at home. It's not in your your backyard, so it's still a crawl and a climb to get to a win. But, man, it looks a lot easier than it did just three weeks ago when they lost to the Eagles.
0: You should absolutely beat the Miami Dolphins, assuming that their first two quarterbacks are out. Now, if it goes the same way as in the worst teams in the league, we're going down to the wire against them <laughs> because if you're playing this soft shell zone coverage scheme, the cornerbacks are seven yards off Oof. any quarterback, anyone that's in the professional or the National Football League, anyone that's a professional quarterback, you find those open spots, you're going to go after it. So really anything's possible. You should absolutely beat this team. If this I don't, good. you know what? Let me look up this step chart real quick. I don't even know who this guy is, assuming that he does end up playing for Miami. That is, of course, if Tua and Teddy Bridgewater doesn't play their third string quarterback right now is Skylar Thompson. Yeah. Never heard of him before. If Skylar Thompson puts on a clinic against Ed Donatell's defense and the Vikings lose, Ed Donatell should be fired. He should be fired right now, but whatever. You should absolutely beat this team. No questions asked.
1: Mike Pettin's on this staff too. I kind of forgot about that. Like you know, he was a defensive kind of style coach as well. I wonder if Kevin O'Connell, who has mostly kind of delegated those tasks of defense and special teams to other people, if he's going to kind of step in here and be like, "All right, we got to make some changes here." Maybe at the bye week, that is where they could potentially make a change. You don't want to go into that situation where. Again, it'd be really awfully kind of awkward if you're going into a bye week. Four and two, which you know, in in the 30,000-foot view looked pretty damn good from the beginning of the season, but then you're having basically this come-to-Jesus meeting with your defensive coordinator saying, we need to make some significant changes here. Um, Because if if you got boat raced by just a third-string quarterback, I don't think they will, even though the the Dolphins have some awesome playmakers in Tyree Hill uh, and Jalen Waddell and whatnot. But man, go, go into Miami, get a big win, go to five and one, and then come back out of the bye and get another couple softies too in Arizona and potentially Washington. I mean, man, Carson Wentz is—I think that was a ticking time bomb from the from the start of the season, and he might it might be a Taylor Heineke Washington managed by then. Yeah, man, I, I I was with you on that. Carson Wentz is just terrible. I I, I have no sympathy watching him uh, fail again in Washington. Uh, Randy, any other uh, final thoughts here uh, from the Vikings fi- uh, 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 win over the Bears or anything else in the NFL or NFC that you noticed over the weekend?
0: If you can go five and one before entering the buy, that would be huge. The next test, Arizona, they are having their problems, but that speed does not work well against our defense. So that's the next big test after that. They're not going to be a pushover. I just want to see this team reach their ceiling. And I think one more thing we may have missed as far as topics that we talked about for today's podcast is the ceiling of this offense mm. has, this offense for the Vikings finally reached its ceiling. I'm going to say not yet. Yeah. Kirk Cousins, if we can see a repeat performance like what we saw yesterday to where he's in control of the game from opening tap, then yes, he needs to be at his best for this offense to reach its ceiling. Last year's Kirk Cousins, the year before that Kirk Cousins, I swear he was a top 10 quarterback. This year, not so much, but if he can continue where he left off this past Sunday, for the rest of the season, then the offense, there's nothing to talk about as far as how much better can they get. The only thing we're left talking about is the defense. So
1: It seems like the offense has definitely taken a step or two, a step or two, which is solid. They should have been taking a step or two by the fifth game into this season. But right, I right, the ceiling still hasn't reached. And I, that's the scary and, and the good scary part. Not a bad scary, that is the good scary part of this offense that it still hasn't clicked. Kirk Cousins' numbers aren't necessarily sexy. There's still things that they could be doing a little bit better here and there um but for the most part it's definitely still an offensive first team there's been dynamics that have been established that have been different from mike zimmer's offenses so it's been a positive step in the right direction so the fact the vikings are four and one and we're heading into the last game before the bye week talking about how they can legitimately be five and one um throughout the first six games and this offense finally starting to reach its potential that's all good things um all right randy appreciate you coming on man um Excited to talk about hopefully a 5-1 Vikings team by again this time next week. Be so dope. On Purple yes. Daily's YouTube channel. 80, uh, I just I just looked it up. 86% chance for the Vikings to obviously make the playoffs so far from 538. Packers at 68. So just a, a, a big swing after the Packers drop one to the Giants in London. A kind of a stinker there. Uh, good things for the Vikings here. They are in the cruise control to win the NFC North and be a legitimate number two and maybe even number one seed in the NFC. We'll see what happens. We'll see. All right, man. Randy, appreciate you coming on, man. Hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment right here on this YouTube channel. Go subscribe to Realistic Randy's YouTube channel as well. He pumps out plenty of Vikings content. So hit the subscribe button all over the place right here. This has been Purple Daily. We will be back uh, tomorrow. Check out Before We Die, too, with Jesse Pierce and Thor Nystrom after this as well.
0: Thank you, good sir.